All right, guys, this is Travis Stowe, the host of the Bowers Podcast, and you're listening to episode 40. When you're hearing this, this is Friday morning, September 9th, and September 10th will be opening season of Georgia for deer. I'm really excited about that. Unfortunately, I'm coming into it with some saddened news. My dog of 14 years, he was a pug. In fact, we called him Frank, just like, yes, from the Men in Black. We saw the movie, my wife and I, so many years ago, loved it. And when we bought our pug and brought him home, the name just fit perfectly. And sure enough, he had the best, the best personality any pug I would think ever existed. And that's not being biased. Ours was the best. Unfortunately, he had some bad situation over the last few days. He lost the, uh, the He's lost the appetite. He lost his quince for thirst and ended up having some liver issues. And within three days, he was gone. Um, that, it was hard. It was a very hard situation to deal with. But we are slowly getting through that. So if anybody's ever lost a dog, you probably know exactly what I'm going through. This is the first time I've ever lost an animal, and it's been pretty rough. So going into the hunting season, I've, I've had so much excitement leading up to this point, but then this one little situation has kind of put some damper on, but I'm still trying to keep high hopes and getting ready for uh, Saturday morning. And, uh, but, but that's not the topic for this episode. The, the whole thing about this episode is to get excited about archery, getting excited to be in the woods and start going after the animals you've been chasing for so long. Uh, and I know there's people already out there that hunters that are out there hunting, getting animals on the ground, getting their freezer full already. And congrats to each and every one of you. Please share those with us on our social accounts. We'd love to know your story. Love to see those photos. You know, keep them coming through the entire season. It keeps everybody motivated. Scott and I, we wanted to kind of give a brief what we're doing, what we're packing in, what we're using when it comes to us this following weekend. We're going to have Scott take it away. Let's get this going. So, what do you have planned for the weekend? What's uh, where are you starting out? When are you starting out? What when are you going to finish up? Let's see. Here, Friday morning, I am heading up to some property uh, that my aunt has up in the North Georgia Mountains uh, mm-hmm. with a buddy of ours and uh, Brandon Rice, actually, and he's going to be borrowing a camper, which is going to be kind of nice. Um, but it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, it's just a few acres near the WMA and the stuff that we've seen when we walked around the property, it seemed pretty like there's a, there's a lot of activity. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's been a couple of questionable pictures on there too. I saw the one that, you know, judging from the height, you have the camera and, you know, the daylight pictures, uh, you know, and, uh, there's a night picture that looks super fuzzy and a, a very weird kind of image. But, you know, I would I would venture to say it's it's probably a black bear, especially knowing the area that you're at. It's not very unlikely, but still uh, from the height of the camera, that's that's a decent black bear. Yeah, I, I had I thrown out a couple sites asking what some of the senses are from other people. And they, a lot of people have given me two thoughts and they could be right. One, a black bear. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm kind of assuming. The other one, which was very rare, I never thought of it, but a raccoon. And crawling up the tree because it's a, a very large walnut tree. Mm-hmm. So 
that's a possibility. But when I went to go back and check the cameras recently, I saw bear scat right next to the tree. So I'm assuming it is a bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ju- judging from that picture, you know, it was still the image was still a little ways away from the camera. So I, I would I would rule out the raccoon climbing a tree because I would have blotted out that whole front side. But you still, to me, it looks like maybe it's looking at and kind of coming just past, and you're seeing the back hindquarter of the uh, uh, of the uh, the bear. But who, who knows? You know, until you guys get out there and, and you see something moving, you, you never know what it is. You know. And if you if anybody's listening, if you wanted to uh, take a shot at it and see what it is, I'm going to have this posted up on our uh, podcast, the actual show notes. You know, take a look and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from it. But, um, you know, actually, question, when is bear season in Georgia? I got to look. I, and don't quote me. I think it starts in October, but I could definitely be wrong on that. I have not hunted bear season here in you know, twice what, the time. So, yeah, it's been, it's been probably six years since I've hunted bear in, in Georgia. So when we went I, 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 th- I think it's October, though. I could be wrong. Okay. But either way, you know, talking about trail camera pictures, that, that brings up something interesting because it's, it's something you see all the time online through different social media sites uh through companies websites promoting different stuff but it's a picture who posts a deer and goes hey what do you guys think it scores which is a huge topic for me because you see so many different answers you see one guy comes in and says oh you know that's that's a 170 easy and and the next comment is a guy that says Oh no! By the time he he loses deductions and this and that and he's the camera angle, he's a one thirty. You know how much controversy do you see online? Uh, you know when you see those pictures pop up. Uh, what's the, what's the hunting one that we're both on? Uh, camo camo photo. That by the way, if you're not on camo photo, get on there. There's a couple really really stellar guys on there that do a great job and, and has some awesome pictures. But when, when you see the photos of people debating back and forth between different size animals. Is it a 170 or is it a 140? Deduct this, add that. What's your take on on the size of animals? Do you have a preference of, you know, I'm not going to shoot if it's over, if it's under 130, or I'm not going to shoot if it's, you know, less than less than four and a half? What's your stance on what you're aiming for this year? You know, this year, I, let me step back two years ago. When I shot my eight-pointer, it was probably the, the biggest buck that I have had the opportunity to take, and I'm more than happy for what I've received. Um, a great buck. And honestly, I don't go for the actual size, because I'm still, I kind of go into if I can fill the freezer. There's been a few years where it's been very thin. I've gotten maybe one doe, maybe two. Last year happened to be one. And so I can't be too picky. Um, but when it came to the buck sizes, if I'm going to take something right now, I really am going for meat. If a, a buck does come out, uh, if it seems like a year or under a year or two, I'm probably going to let it go because I do want to get more of meat because I have a decent buck enough for, I would say, trophy for myself. And um, I'm not really going for the size at the moment, at least not right now. It's, it's really more the meat. If something comes out, I'm looking for probably something that's well over two to three years or four. But in the areas I'm hunting, that is very rare to see a buck that's over four years. And on to your question about you know the size, if I'm actually going for a size itself, to be honest, when I'm in the field and a deer comes in, if it's a buck, I don't really have that much time to assess 
the actual antler size and assume what size, if it's going to be a 120, 140, 180. I've never had a 180 walk in my area, so I can't really give you that as an option or myself as an option. If a buck comes through, I usually have about 20 seconds to make a shot or it's gone. And so in that time, if it looks like an over two-year buck, yeah, I'll probably take it. If it feels like to me that it's under two years, I go based on the years on visual. Um, the size, I don't gauge it based on the actual length and give a number. And if I feel if it's about two years or older, I'll take it then. Otherwise, I usually just let it go. And for the people out there that think, well, two years, man, you're just not giving that deer long enough time to you know, really mature. Well, guess what? The areas that I hunt my surrounding properties, it's usually the brown, it's down mentality. So if I see a buck that is, or even a doe that's over two years, that's lucky. That doe, that buck has had a, a very fruitful life because most likely it's not going to survive into this season. And that's the, the area that I am surrounded for hunting. If every other hunter is taking its brown, it's down mentality, I don't have the opportunity to do a QDM and allow these bucks and does to mature older age. I have to take meat, the best options I have, and it's very sometimes it's it's thin. The pickings are not as fruitful as I would like. I'm not associating myself as if it's a brown is down. I'm associating myself as if I don't get one now, it's not going to be there next year anyways. So either I fill my freezer or I don't. And I'm not trying to rant, but I do know that by just posting or saying that comment, we are going to get people giving us their hate opinions. And it's understandable for you bash and think, well, you need to let these deer live longer. I would love to. I just don't get the opportunity. And to kind of go back to your original question about aging, to be honest, with the amount of time I have in the woods, the amount of time when I do see a buck walk in and to gauge what level of buck that is actually going to be, you know, honestly, I'm not that good at it. I I know if a buck is over two years uh, visually, but knowing based on the numbers and why, eh, that's not something I, I spend a lot of time in. Maybe I should, and that is something I think we should, you know, maybe tap into and, you know, talk to someone about. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's something that, you know, on a podcast not too long from now, we're going to have a guy on because it's something that comes up so often. And Oh, yeah. So that, that'll be a cool conversation. We'll let you guys know when that one's coming on. And Well, also, we've had a lot of people ask this type of question. I mean, myself, I have to deal with this. And being in the Southeast, it might be a little different than someone hunting out West, different types of perspectives. But this is a question a lot of people have. And to be honest, if you're in the field, you're not doing, unless you're spot and stalking, you have plenty of time to really analyze that deer. You're going based on instincts. And if it looks like a big deer, you're going to shoot it. That's the hard, honest truth. I believe you like hunt in the thick areas like I do, deep, deep in the woods yeah. where you don't really have a lot of open range. I mean, no, the no, moment they're all. in, they're gone. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I love bow hunting. Do do I rifle hunt? Yeah. Do I do I enjoy it? I, I really do. Uh, but at the same point, my passion, my obsession is, is obviously bow hunting. And I, I got a lot of buddies who will sit there and hunt um, over, over food plots and they'll hunt big channel corridors. What you can do with a bow, but the thing I really like doing is kind of pinpointing exact pinch points and, and getting the closest possible shot that I can. And a lot of times that's in some super, super thick stuff where uh, one of my stands that I'm actually hunting opening morning, um, I only have three shooting windows anywhere from, from about seven yards 
and my, my furthest one I have is 33 yards, but there's super narrow area where when they come through, I'm going to have a shot. So even if it's three yards and the deer's moving to get him to stop or to get the doe or buck to stop right there is going to be a little trying, but that's the fun part. It's really pushing and trying to get the best closest shot that you possibly can with a bow. You know, that kind of brings up a little bit of why you kind of helped drive me to go into bow hunting. You know, a few years back, and I know you were with me when this happened, but I was using a rifle, mm-hmm. and uh, I shot my first buck, and even though it's considered a nine, I can I kind of give it a six because it was really a messed up nine. Um, <laughs> and what the funny part is, this has been probably well over 10 years, and that sucker's still in the freezer. Um, I oh, wow. I've never taken it out to get uh, mounted yet, but one day. Sure enough, here is I was shooting a 7mm rifle from Savage. Beautiful gun. But that buck came out around 7.13, 7.14 in the morning. And it walked up literally right behind me. I When I shot that buck, again, with a rifle, high-power rifle, at less than five yards away. To me, that is well overkill. And what happened? <laughs> that thing went in. It was a clean shot right at the chest area. But it was such a powerful that the bullet ricocheted, ripped around, went through the neck, and blew out the jaw. That seems to be a little too much power, I think, for something that close. So, you know, the uh, most of my kills over the years have been 30 yards or less. So why even go out with a rifle, in my perspective, and go for something for that powerful of a, a weapon when I'm, I feel capable and having that uh, ability? Grant, there's more things that involve being a bow hunter, but knowing I'm going to be in that type of arena and having that type of situation, I like knowing that I'm using something, in my mind, seems more ethical because I'm that close. Oh, yeah. And, you know, everyone has a a different definition of a trophy, right? Whether, you know, it's a really mature doe or it's your first deer you've ever taken. And and you don't care what size it is. It's just that's that's a first experience. That's a trophy for you. Or it's, you know, the the super mature monster 170-inch deer. Or, you know, in in South Carolina, you know, your your trophy definition buck up there is, I, I don't know, 120, maybe. I mean, they don't they don't grow huge racks across across South Carolina. So for me, you know, I, I really kind of narrowed it down to it doesn't have a lot to do with, with the body size or the antler size uh, of the deer. And while though, you know, taking mature animals, obviously the goal that I kind of have in, in my own mindset, Yeah. but it's, it's narrowing it down. I would rather shoot a, you know, three and a half hundred and twenty inch buck at six to 10 yards then and it sounds stupid then i would you know shooting a you know 150 inch deer at 45 yards where i, I just kind of placed myself kind of in the right area and, and got a shot i i feel so much prouder and, and attribute so much to, more to when you pinpoint i i think from my time in the field i've narrowed it down to this is where the deer's going to move and you were right I mean, it's not. I mean, you out you outsmarted the the species at that point. You outsmarted the, the game that you were chasing, and that to me, and again, just it's all personal perspective. That that's a huge accomplish, accomplishment for me, and that's oh, that's yeah. a trophy for me. I mean, I don't don't get me wrong. If if a hundred and fifty inch deer walks out of forty five yards, uh, I'll have no problem drawing and and letting an arrow loose, uh, and I'll be 
ex- excessively proud of it. But my goal is to that six to ten yard shot where my off season scouting and preparation and trail camera plotting really just kind of came together and all that work turned out to you know me setting up the right plan for the right wind in the right area i think there was there's a show a few years back i can't remember the guy that was on it but he had something he said something that seemed to be perfect in this scenario Mm -hmm. a buck is a buck it's a buck and it's not the brown it's down mindset a buck is a buck there's a lot smarter than a doe that takes more knowledge takes more skill to get one of them down the experience that you have to take that animal that should be really what counts now the size that comes in again perspective but um if you felt like it was a great hunt then that's all that really matters if the meat's there and you're filling your freezer that's the bigger plus yeah putting something on the wall that's the icing on the top oh absolutely And, and you know with that that's one thing i really i challenge you know everyone listening is it seemed excessive last season, and I don't know. I think it's kind of built as social media is built. But people were posting. I saw I saw this guy. He posted a picture of what was clearly probably a two and a half year old deer, um, mule deer, maybe a hundred and hundred and twenty inches, hundred and thirty inches. Not not big by kind of the standards of that area, or that zone. But it was the guy's not not just first hunt. But it was his first hunt with a with a bow. It was the first hunt that he he had been out um, with his father uh, and and a couple and a couple buddies who had ne- he had never hunted with or never hunted in general before with. And it was a week long adventure that everyone kind of got together and worked together and, and got this guy his his first his first deer and his first buck with a bow. Um, and there were a lot of guys that just straight up bashed him for shooting something that in their mind you know wasn't a trophy and was not the size deer he should be taking from there you know all the pride that this guy had had built up all the camaraderie that he had with his dad and his friends um you know even even the taxidermist um after the fact you know all that pride you know you're shedding this black light on it and there's no reason to do that so i urge everybody listening to this whether you know doesn't matter what you shoot post it be proud of it. Go out there and show people that you know you're a hunter. You're you have your passion, and, and you were successful. And on the flip side, if you see someone post something that maybe isn't your standard of a trophy, just you know, at at, at worst case scenario, just shut your mouth. You know that that's it. Just or, be happy. Or better, yeah. Uh, the first pack of it would be is to get context, find out what it was like, because you very well don't know the situation. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, that guy that was his first buck, his first kill with his family, that was a memorable moment for him. Yeah. Be proud of it. So find out the context if he doesn't share it and you know congratulate him. Because that right there, if you help that guy, he's going to be a, a longtime hunter. If you bash yep. him, you might push him away. Okay, so I'm pretty excited what's going on this weekend. And what's going on with you? Like You're going down. Uh, you have some set hey, situations? There. Yeah, I'm here. So we had some technical difficulties. No idea what happened there. Gotta love technology. I guess where we left off was like, you know, we kind of spoke of what I'm heading up uh, going up North Georgia mountains. Did we tap mm-hmm. into what you're doing down south? No, we didn't. So, you know, I'm super, super lucky. You know, like I've, I think I've said this before on one of the previous podcasts, but this is really the first time that, you know, I've had a chance to hunt a, a actual 
property that's kind of managed for deer and used for you know really that specific purpose yeah all um, out in colorado different story because you know you're really hunting public land for the most part anyways but um uh, all my time growing up here in georgia hunting whitetail i always hunted you know some uh some private property that was you know not many you're talking like 15 20 acres and you're hunting just cut throughs and trying to hunt some ridges or well yeah super last minute exactly um and you know having you know seven or eight different properties and trying to bounce between them uh and then hunting wmas so that that's really how i hunted prior to to this season um again super lucky uh, i was ex- excessively blessed with getting hooked up with with the property i'm i'm on now uh 200 acres down in merriweather county which merriweather is kind of the uh the the big buck county right oh yeah you know they're i've seen they, some of your Q- hit lists <laughs> yeah uh, and, and you know it's qwm and, and i'll say that right now like that is that is one of the most beneficial things and i i wish that more counties would would adopt it but um quality deer management down there one of the one of the basic qdm principles is is uh you know if it doesn't have four on one side you can't shoot it so that really allows these you know three by threes or what down south Six that's good. I thought that was statewide, though, for at least your at least it's, one. Or that's right. You can uh, have for, one that's four on one side. Yeah, yeah. Then you can have any. That's right. Exactly. Down down in Merriweather, um, it has to be four on four on one side on both of the two bucks you, you can shoot. That's right. So you know that that obviously is a huge testament to, to the deer down there because there is a lot of big, super well managed properties um, all through that county. That you know, there's one not too far down the road, maybe about two miles away three miles away uh, maybe a little more than that but it's 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 qdm'd off the standard management but at the same time it's bow only and it's 150 class or better now it, it costs a ton of money to get on that and i i could never fathom spending the kind of dollars it takes to get on that on that lease but at the same point the whole county has kind of um benefited from from that standard for the years that it's been in place um you know am am i Am I guaranteed to shoot, you know, 150 inch? No. Am I guaranteed to shoot 130? Am I guaranteed to shoot any buck at all? No. But you know, we have a really solid class of three and a half uh, to four and a half that are in that 110 to 130s range. Um, but we also have some some mature deer out there that are four and a half, five and a half years old that you know could could really push you know, 140 plus. And with the county we're in, especially with our neighbors that have just tremendous food plots, uh, we have a couple, you know, two, three acre food plots. But we have a neighbor that has a uh, probably about 20 acre food plot, ton that has water source on his, kind of like we do on ours, uh, but dumps a ton of money into it uh, as far as what he plants in a couple of his fields. Year round, we're getting, you know, really good nutrition down there. Um, from our property and the properties around us, you realistically, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And, and I mean, here, um, you know, someone sees you know 150. So uh, I'm I'm super blessed that I get a chance to hunt a place like that. Um, but I, I've put the time in down there too as well. You know, I spent a lot a lot of weekends down there, you know, cutting, getting cleaned up, making sure feeders are filled up, so we're getting trail cam pictures, checking checking cameras. Uh, so I'm really excited. I'm on there with a, with two other buddies, and 
it, I have it to say be a this, though. fun season. With what you have down there, the nutritional mm-hmm. value, the it's huge. Allowing, it's huge. And so you can't just uh, grunt the, the doughs themselves as well. They, mm-hmm. a, a dough, and I'm almost certain, because you never actually sent me any of the photos that you've gotten on camera of them, but I'm certain mm-hmm. they're probably very plump and full. And I, very mature, and, but mm-hmm. like where I have, I'm in a very low area. There's brownness down surrounding me, so I don't really, the areas that I get to hunt, there isn't a lot of opportunities for even a doe or a buck to survive more than maybe two years. But I, I mean, based on the things that you've shown me on your property, I'm almost certain that if you got a doe down, it's going to be a really nice doe. So even yeah. a doe would be a quality deer. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and honestly, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, the first, first mindset of the season is, you know, get some meat in the freezer, Yeah, <laughs> you know, where that, that, that takes a lot of pressure off, uh, for, for, you know, the rest of the season, but we have some, we do, we have some very big deer, big deer down there body wise, uh, you know, as far as Georgia goes. Now you don't get, you know, 300 pound deer like you do out West. It's nowhere near that. No. But you get very good quality size deer. You get some matriarchs that, you know, I, very likely one of us will probably shoot a six and a half to seven and a half year old doe this year because uh, they're out there. You can kind of see them. You can tell their, their age. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's just uh, the great thing about Georgia is, you know, season opens up on Saturday and regulations changed from last season, this season. So, Hunting will go all the way to January 10th. And, so and you can literally hunt and hunt and hunt and hunt and hunt. And you can pass on deer. Like you, You're going to get multiple opportunities to see deer and kind of judge deer and kind of decide, you know, when you see that deer you want to take, you're going to know, right? Oh, yeah. So when you're seeing other deer, you're kind of letting walk. And it's really educating you and you're you're able to kind of get a, get a, uh, a catalog of what you have out there. And then, you know, put yourself in position to harvest the, the animal you're really going after. And the, you don't even have, the good part is you also don't have to be too picky because we do, that's the beautiful part about what we have in Georgia <laughs> is 10 does and two bucks. That mm-hmm. Not many states get to have that opportunity. So we're kind of blessed in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can, you can I, I wouldn't say you can take risky shots, but no. you can test yourself a, a little better. You you can take more shots and, and understand how, you know, shots affect animals and how, how lethal different shots are on animals. Well, you know, if you, if you feel like you hit a little high on an animal and you go and you can actually go find the animal and see where you hit and kind of the damage that did. And you can plan for that next one. You're not waiting till next season to take the next shot and kind of correct your aiming. Well, like uh, for us, we literally have months of hunting day in, yep. day out. And for other states, they some areas, if unless they travel out, they usually can get like a week to hunt. And so they have mm-hmm. to be picky because they get one kill, maybe two, and they have to know if they're going to kill one, they want to get the biggest one because if they're going for the meat or size, they have to be very precise. And it's risky. If you let one go, that could be – you might be eating a tag. But here, you don't have to worry about that. If you have no. a deer, you can take it and feel good that, hey, I got one down. Oh, wait, I can go back again this afternoon. Oh, wait, I can go tomorrow. Oh, wait, I have months to keep going. And that's yeah. the exciting part about in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, you, you get a lot, a lot of time in the woods, right? So yeah. this season, roughly, um, not including the rut, I'll probably spend about 26, maybe 30 days um, 
in, in a tree stand or in a ground blind or spot and stocking. And that's not including the rut. The rut will be probably six to seven straight days of in the woods. So getting the opportunity to hunt, you know, almost 40 days in, in a season is, is phenomenal. You just oh, yeah. get so much knowledge and you really kind of learn and, and understand the, the woods a little better when you get to spend that much time. And, and with that, just so I can, so I can clarify, um, spending that much time in the woods it is awesome and phenomenal, but you have to do it smart because when you spend that much time in the woods, the deer know you do. So, you know, hunting the same stand day in and day out and in the wrong wind it is going to completely blow an area. So it's really being strategic about what part of the property, when I'm hunting to, to get that amount of days in the wood. So I'm, so I'm not, you know, alerting the game and, and really blowing out the property. Oh, yeah. So going into this Saturday, we got a few things <laughs> headed on. What do you bring in with you? Like, uh, like we were talking a little last this week about you know, types of broadheads might be trying out, and mm-hmm. I ended up selecting one that I used last year. I was going for something different, but I ended up buying the wrong size, and it went right back to a slick trick. But what are you using? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to go with, with Old Faithful, right? Uh, G5 Montex, single-piece single, uh, single piece steel. I just... The, the damage they create and being able to just blast right through a shoulder if, if it's just a little bit off on an angle to me is crucial um, maybe maybe a little bit more out, out west than here but still it's, it's really nice to know that you know if that if the only shot you have is that deer's that deer's leg back just a little bit I can I can still just blast through that shoulder uh, stuff I'm taking uh, you know we're, we're rough at it we uh, we're gonna next season we're looking at putting a putting a structure on the property, uh, so maybe it's a little bit more comfortable, which I don't really mind either way. I'm used to tents, but uh, so we're roughing a little bit. So of course you know I'm gonna take a, a cot and take a sleeping bag. It's gonna be really really hot. So uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> trying to stay cool. Actually, I'm gonna take a, take a take a yeti, fill it up with ice, and then before we, before to sleep i'm actually going to put it underneath the cot with the lid open to get some of that it gets some that cold air maybe maybe coming up a little bit right on the cotton uh try try to stay cool a little bit but uh key things for me is you know the cot to sleep well if you don't sleep well you you end up getting a little restless in the stand and sitting for you know five to eight hours um which i i i tend to really try and do um make it out a little early just because because of the heat late in the afternoon they're not going to move but for the most part i'm going to hunt five to eight hours so get a good night's sleep make sure you have something you can sleep on or super comfortable with or at least as comfortable as you can get sleeping on a cot yeah <laughs> and uh yeti filled with food and plenty of beer and some bourbon when we get back to camp nice you know being that it's hot being out in the heat during the hunt um mm-hmm. what type of clothes are you wearing uh you know um uh, it's, it's going to vary depending on what the weather condition is. Obviously, it's going to be hot. We know that. It's probably going to be, in the mornings, 70, which isn't isn't horrible. It's still a little bit cool in the morning with with the wind and a little bit of a breeze. Yeah. But 9, 30, 10 o'clock, and start, start creeping into the 80s, and then it'll be in the 90s by midday. Um, honestly, I'll probably wear uh, some 46 rail gear just because it, it is it's pretty thin. Uh, oh, the yeah. pant bottom, the pant bottoms are what I'll probably wear, and then my on my upper, 
Um, I'll either wear one of their jerseys that's super thin or just one of uh, some other kind of really thin camo that will let me breathe a little bit. Um, Sunday, it's actually supposed to rain. So I got got some rain gear that I, I may take out with me either that or I'll put an umbrella up above up above the, the stand just to give me a little bit of reprieve. If it's raining, though, it's going to cool down. So uh, I can't afford not to be in the tree, even if it's uh, downpour. Most definitely. So, you know, I'm going to be, uh, have you ever seen the movie Predator? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. be going all mudded. I mean, I'm going to jump in the mud, get it all, no, I'm joking. Um, Man, I, I really contemplated just <laughs> body paint, just, just green camo body paint and sitting in a tree. I'm, if you I'm, could I'm get past it. the mosquitoes, I'd say go for it. Uh, oh. oh, that's hey, touching on that one. We are in the south, so uh, bugs are definitely an issue. Uh, yep. Thermocell, I will not leave camp without the thermocell, or, or else I'll be in the stand all of about thirty minutes, and I'll and I'll be just swollen up from from mosquito bites. I may <laughs> actually, I, I found an old, old old pair of camel pants I had. I am really actually contemplating just cutting those things off at the knee, and uh, and, and wearing some like camo jorts or something because it's going to be warm. That's what I did. I did nope. it. Yeah, I pulled out the ones that I used to hunt when you and I went ten plus years ago at the old property. The same yep. ones. I pulled them out, and that's what I'm going to be using um, and doing the same thing. Uh, I have the the jersey from the 46 rail. Thanks for Anthony. And yeah. uh, too bad that company didn't survive, but still an awesome product. And oh, um, phenomenal. Um, and then I got a little bug net, and that's about it. And uh, hopefully it will do. Yeah, you know it's. It's going to be fun, you know. It's it's one of those things where it's really built up this entire off season, and I, I if you, if you pay attention to my Facebook, uh, I've literally been on a countdown for about the last thirty <laughs> yeah. days, uh, and I'm excited. I'm finally going to take a day off work. Uh, I'll go down. I'll probably leave Atlanta. I don't know, maybe about ten o'clock. Get down there, set up. Uh, we had we had a big tent, um, uh, a big outfitter tent. We'll get it set up get the get the grill set up you know maybe go check a check one or two of the cameras that are on the other side of the property we're not going to hunt open until the rut and kind of sit down and, and just relax and unwind and get ready for you know probably getting getting up 4 30 and being in the stand by 5 5 30 maybe something like that I, I tend especially since it is so hot um as soon as it hits nine and it's finally cools down about you know four in the morning so the deer are going to get up and move and that first part of the morning is going to be the most essential part for the woods to be still for it to be settled from you walking in so i'll get up super early get in the stand super early and just sit and wait and and that that's the best part that first 45 minutes as you know that black sky it's pitch black you can't see anything just starts to creep Oh, yeah. A little bluer and a little bluer. That 45 minutes of anticipation is just what I've been looking forward to for this entire off season. Now we got the clothes. We know the time. We mm-hmm. know the situation. Mm-hmm. What are you? Uh, what are you sitting in? Um, so hawk. Um, actually, so it depends on the stand. I, I'm I'm narrowed down. I'll, I'll make a final decision probably probably Friday when I get down there, depending on because it's going to depend on the wind. Uh, but more likely, I'm going to be sitting in a hawk. Uh, they and this isn't a product placement or anything. It's just what what I have out there. It's what I what I really actually do think works well. Hawk makes a great stand. Uh, the other thing they make that has been you know really vital for me has been their climbing sticks. Um, I I do I think they're the best ones on the market. They carry in the best. 
they set up the easiest and and they stay hooked into the tree the strongest from from really what i've used so i'll I'll sit in the lock on um the only other thing i may do is depending on the wind um because we usually get a shift uh half about halfway through the day so if the wind does shift really hard and stays that direction as i walk into my morning stand i'll drop a climber um on kind of a, a feeding way that the deer kind of tend to use as a highway uh, i'll drop a feeder there if i don't see anything in my first morning sit then the the next morning sunday morning um i'll probably switch over and hunt that climber uh which is a uh, uh i believe summit viper okay yeah what, so, uh, so as anybody knows you and i uh, myself for years ever since mm-hmm. you introduced me to uh trophy line i've been using the tree saddle mm-hmm. religiously that's all oh, yeah. i've been using and every time I've had the opportunity to get into either a climber, um, I just don't like them. Um, mm-hmm. And if it's a hang on, just never liked it, never felt comfortable. No matter what it was, I just felt really more secure in the tree saddle. Well, I'm still going to have it, but this year I'm doing something different. I'm mm-hmm. literally going to be trying the Millennium Stands, the M100U. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the ATA, I sat on so many different types of stands, and I happened to sit on the M100U. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it blew me away. I felt incredibly comfortable. It felt like I was sitting in a chair, a recliner chair. It's mm-hmm. so really lightweight, real comfortable. Um, so I had that got sent in. I'm going to be testing it out this week and hopefully we'll do some videos and see what my personal experience is with it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I hope it goes well. I mean, this is the I'm stepping it up. I'm changing my game and see how it goes. Listen, Millennium makes some phenomenal products. The The majority of the stands we have out there um, are, are all millenniums and it, it comes from the, the standpoint of you know two of the guys I hunt with that's all they've ever, ever hunted out of and it's kind of what they've changed up through the season put new stands in they've, they've typically always stuck with millennium because we are doing long extended hunts and, and it's hard to beat the comfort level of what you have with a millennium um, they're, they're phenomenal stands there's a lot of stand companies out there and if, if you're have only used one or, you know, you use a generic off brand one. It, it doesn't matter. I would just go out and go test out a couple, you know, go, go oh, yeah. put your hands on a few different ones. Um, hang 10 is another one that's here in Georgia. Um, they make a couple really phenomenal ones, similar, I would say maybe similar fill to, to the millennium. But if you got someone who's local, Go go support them. You know, if you, if there's a local company that makes makes stands, go check them out. See what their see what their uh, their ratings are for safety ratings, and then go go hang, go hang a stand, sit in, see see how you feel. There's a lot of different uh, local pro shops that have some stands and have them set up, and quite a few more are, are totally okay with you pulling it out and checking it out low on on trees, or they'll typically have stands there you can kind of sit and, and feel what you like, but. Go, go find one that you're comfortable with because the biggest thing is if you're going to sit for an extended period of time, make sure you're comfortable. The last thing you want to do is be fidgeting and, and twisting around and then twist just at that wrong moment and you just you hear a sound that you hate hearing of a snort wheeze or a, <laughs> a, a doe blowing you or stomping their feet. And you're just froze knowing that, you know, had I just not moved that one time, I would have got a shot. So go, go check out some stands. There's a ton of them out there. Um, go find what you like and go on it. All right. Last thing. 
out of all the years that you've hunted, mm-hmm. if you could give one tip in the stand, mm-hmm. what tip have you felt like you've learned that you can give the audience that they felt they could take from this that you could give out? You know, is I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat. I'm actually gonna give a couple here because I think there's there's like learning lesson one, and then there's just kind of stand what well, I found that works. Okay, I, I didn't mean like stand wise, but more of like a tip or trick. That yeah, no, 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 to help the the situation. Definitely. So okay. one that I that you know every single year, and I, this is no fail. Every single year, um, I hear one of my buddies tell me this exact same story, and I look at him and go. Did you learn nothing, right? And this is the story. Man, I'm sitting in my stand and you know, I was, you know, I was super cold or I was I was really tired or I was really bored. So I pulled out my phone and I started <laughs> you know, I was text I was texting my other buddy in the other stand, or I was surfing Facebook or surfing um uh surfing another site and I look up and there there's the buck I was waiting on at 10 yards looking right at me and I was, I was busted or I couldn't move. And I had a phone in my hand and get just for, for two purposes. One for the fact of missing the opportunity to, to hear a deer coming or see a situation unfolding to give yourself the best opportunity to, to take a shot, put the phone up for the second purpose. People are on their phone. 24 7 every day get in the woods and just and I, I get it it does get boring sometimes utterly boring and you're hearing squirrels and acorns drop and this and that just soak up the quiet while you can because there's a lot of noise once you get out of the woods just enjoy the hunt and give yourself the best opportunity to to see a situation come into a point that you can take a shot uh, the other thing that I, that I got, and that one's crucial, but the other one I have for, for when you're in a stand um, is actually prior to you ever getting in the stand. Um, one, make sure you hook up and you're, you're locked in. Um, I use a safety rope, goes top to bottom. Uh, get locked in while you're climbing up and stay locked in the entire time in your stand. Uh, you, hear it, you hear it all the time of, of you know, someone's had such such buddy fell out of a tree stand. And they weren't, they didn't have a harness on or, you know, wasn't really comfortable. And they were trying to, you know, get around a tree to take a shot. So they undid their harness. Um, Check that stuff out when, when you're setting your stand up, make sure your harness is going to be locked in, in a place that you can still freely move around and get a shot. Cause you don't want to get to a position. A deer pops out and spot just a little bit. You didn't think he'd come out there. And you can't draw because your harness is, is is in the wrong spot and stretching you out and you can't lean around. Set that stuff up. That's all part of getting your stand ready. Get it ready for the unexpected shot, but stay safe the entire time. That's crucial. Probably my biggest thing I would say is is check all that stuff out and make sure you're staying safe when you're taking shots. Nice. Well, I'll uh, I'll add to one more. What do you got? Maybe two, but one that I think <laughs> I, you'll probably realize that this is something I've learned from many years of mistakes. But uh, bring a bottle, a Gatorade bottle, empty, so you could pee 
while in the stand and close it up and put it away instead of having to get down or hold it the entire time. <laughs> but I just know that from my experiences getting all set up and have God, I got to pee now. And even in the past, I used to get down and get out of the tree stand and walk away a good distance to go. Now I bring a open empty Gatorade bottle always have it so when I'm done I close it and there's another twist to that if it's a cold day it keeps you warm oh geez put it you put it in your hand muffs (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes stick it inside my jacket what is hope you have good aim um, <laughs> what what's your what's your do you have a second tip there on on, on tree stands? Well, I was going to say, but you kind of already tapped into it. Was the the setting up for uh, the safety harnesses? You know, it, it is vital to have something like that. Don't take it lightly. If you have a family, you want to make sure you're going back home. And mm-hmm. there's so many people that have incidents that just don't get to go back, and it's because it, that one moment, of like I don't think I need it. You're not Tarzan. You know, we're not mm-hmm. built for the hang in the trees. We're not a monkey. There's mm-hmm. a reason why we make these things to be safe. And yeah. should it, it doesn't make you look uncool. It doesn't matter. It's a tool. It helps you get yep. home. And that's the whole yep. purpose of having it. Listen, there, there's there's umpteen different safety harness manufacturers out there. And, and every stand that, that I know of, every stand you buy comes with the standard, you know, double strap, buckled safety harness it doesn't matter which one you have. Um, any of them are, are going to increase your chances of surviving, you know, a hundred percent, you know, and when it comes down to it, make sure someone knows where you're hiding at. Cause they, the safety harness standards, right. They, they took their, their verbiage on, on what's required directly from the construction uh, industry and, and, you know, what theirs require. Um, the only thing that's different in their verbiage and requirements of what a harness can can withstand and take in, in the rescue situation is in the construction industry. The the last line in their regulations is must be um, rescued within I, it's either five or fifteen minutes. I think it's five minutes. It's five minutes. And that's be, it's five minutes. Yeah, must be rescued within five minutes. Which you know it's because it cuts off. It has the potential to cut off blood blood flow from your arteries. Um, Because of where it's kind of strapped at, but that's obviously it's not realistic in in the hunting scenario. You have to be able to, you know, essentially rescue yourself. You know, unless unless you're lucky enough, you got a camera guy or you got you got a buddy hunting with you. Um, So go find something. Go do research on on safety harnesses and really look at what the the features that it has. Uh, There's a couple out there now that. The actual, and, and this comes from from Trophy Line back when back when we did some work with them, um, and it, it's it's the only one that I that I wear as of right now, just for this one feature. And there's now I think two other companies that have it, but the safety harness in, in the back actually breaks out and it pulls your legs up. So when you fall and you hit the bottom, That's right, you're Incredible not position. yeah, you you fall into yeah you fall into a sitting position with the the you know the pressure being applied to your hamstrings instead of right to your femoral arteries, you know, in your crotch. Um, I, I really, really, really recommend looking for something along that lines. Cause if you do fall out of a tree stand, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna hit your head on the tree. You're going to hit your head on your climbing sticks. You, you have a very strong potential of, of losing consciousness or getting knocked out. And it happens very quickly when those arteries get cut off in your femoral arteries. Look for something that actually harness-wise that's going to pull your legs up and put you in a sitting position. Um, 
I don't know any kind of statistics. I haven't seen it, but uh, I would venture to say that has saved a ton, a ton, a ton of lives from from even simple falls because uh, it puts you in a position that, you know, if you do get knocked out, you can regain your consciousness and, and get your hand back on the ladder and get yourself out of that situation because more likely you, you're not going to have someone there to, to get you out of that situation. Absolutely. So, hey, stay safe. That is the absolutely biggest thing. Big season ahead to everyone. I know everyone's stoked for the season, but just stay safe. Get through the, get through the season for next season. You know. Well, I think we've pretty much knocked it out. What we're going to be doing for this weekend, and mm-hmm. I, unfortunately for me, I know I don't. I'm going to be very limited to the social connection. Like I'm not going to be able to get on the web. I have a really horrible cellular section. But I really I wanted to do some sort of live feed or mm-hmm. some updates how my weekend's going. I'm not sure about where you. Do you think you have some signal? Um, I I do. So actually in. Um as soon as I get away from camp, I, as soon as I get more than about 100 yards away from camp, I lose I lose service. But I'm hit or miss as soon as I get back to camp. So I'm definitely I'll do some live feeds. Um, I'll do some updates. Uh, I've got two really cool guys that, that I'm able to hunt with uh, this weekend. So you know maybe I'll, I'll talk to them a little bit about what they're seeing. You know honestly just we want to see other people post and stuff. You know what's going on in your hunt, what's going on in your neck of the woods, whether you're out west, up north, or you're down south like we are. So if you are listening to this right now and you haven't, uh, the weekend hasn't started, follow us. Go to our Facebook account. Uh, go to our Instagram, and we're going to be posting some photos and videos and you know, stay connected what's going on over the weekend and obviously through this season and share what you got. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we love seeing what everyone else is doing. It's, it, we, we love the experience that we get and you know, the deer we get to see or you know, the time we get to spend. But you know, this podcast is built around you know, all of our listeners and, and what, they're, what they're seeing, what they're experiencing, and questions that they may have so make sure stay uh stay up on our on our facebook page stay up on, on our uh actual web page and let us know what's going on where you're at well man i think uh we've nailed it pretty good for the day and um today is wednesday actually when mm-hmm. this is published this will be friday so today is going to be friday oh, i'll edit that out um and <laughs> so, so when you hear this i hope uh, you stay tuned for our next episode i'm travis stowe your host of the Bowers Podcast, Scott Nelson, my co-host, and we will see you next time. Take care.